It's an honor to have today with us Dr. James Davis. Um, he is uh, not only a friend, but he has had incredible impact around the world. Uh, he is the founder of Cutting Edge International and the Global Church Network. Uh, the Global Church Divinity School is the online platform that we are using for our training of those who have a call into ministry. Uh, he this is also the founder of the Global Church Network in general that is a growing coalition of more than 2,600 ministries and denominations around the world and uh, they are mobilizing efforts to build a global community of pastors and churches and to finish the Great Commission by 2030. Wouldn't that be awesome if the gospel reached everyone by the year 2030? There are more than 700,000 churches that are represented in this global church network and uh, it is the largest pastors global network in the world. Uh, Dr. Davis served 12 years as the National Evangelist Representative at the Assemblies of God World Headquarters. Um, the Assemblies of God has about 1,500 evangelists, and he was overseeing them for several years and training thousands of students for full-time evangelism. He earned his doctorate in ministry uh, in preaching at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, and he also holds two master's degree from the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. He's an author, his books, or one of his books is also out there in the lobby. He resides in Orlando, Florida with his wife, Sherry, and their daughters, Olivia and Priscilla. And it is an honor to call your friend and an honor to have you with us today. Would you give him a great big welcome this morning? And just before he comes, we have a quick little video that we're going to show, and he's going to come and share the word. Jesus said to go and make disciples of all the nations. For 2,000 years, the church has worked to complete his great commission to us. In 2002, Dr. Bill Bright and James O. Davis, two visionaries from different streams of Christianity, said, what if the global church could get into a position to complete the great commission in one generation? What if pastors globally could talk, teach, study, and learn together without having to switch tribes or lose their own identities? What if we could help synergistically to plant five million new churches for a billion soul harvest? In 2002, the first Global Church Pastors Conference was held in Orlando, Florida, with 5,000 leaders from all major streams of Christianity worldwide. In 2005, 500 global leaders from 71 nations convened at the Global Church Planting Congress in Dallas, Texas. They agreed to share relationships, resources, research, recommendations, and reports. For the next five years, leaders convened in billion soul summits around the world. More than 10,000 overseers, leaders, elected officials, missionaries, leading evangelicals, evangelists, and fellowships met face-to-face -to, -face to discuss future goals. Together, they set collective goals toward the greater goal of planting five million churches for a billion soul harvest. In November 2019, 14 years later, the Global Church Network surpassed the goal of helping plant 5 million new churches and to win 1 billion souls to Christ. After meeting with major leaders in every region on earth, Leonard Sweet, Kenneth Ulmer, and James O. Davis developed seven points of knowledge that every Christian leader in the world needs. Preaching, 
teaching, healing, story, the arts, Christ formation, and contextual semiotics. Today, a global faculty from every world region has created courses in this module. Systematic stages from novice to mentor can help train pastors and leaders throughout the world. Since 2002, the Global Church Divinity School has helped train tens of thousands of pastors worldwide. The Global Church Divinity School features a global church library where the greatest works of Christianity reside, with thousands of resources available online. Global church authors, publishers, and denominations are donating their works. The mighty reservoir of the Global Church Divinity School continues to distribute this wealth of resources through the internet, the global hubs of Christianity, and in print. After more than 20 years of research and development, after conducting conversations with more than 15,000 leaders from around the world, after helping plant 5 million new churches and win 1 billion souls to Christ, after the deployment of more than 120 hubs, the more than 200 co-chairs in the Global Church Network are moving forward to finish the Great Commission. On November 1, 2017, at the gravesite of Martin Luther in Castle Church, Wittenberg, Germany, the Global Church Network launched Finish 2030, the completion of the Great Commission by the 2000th birthday of the Church. A Finnish declaration was written and sent to every major denomination worldwide. The Finnish acronym, written by Dr. Timothy Hill, General Overseer of the Church of God, is Find, Intercede, Network, Invest, Send, and Harvest. GCN is committed to finding the remaining unreached people groups and translating new Bible languages in its hubs, interceding 1 billion prayer hours in this decade, networking like never before, investing time, energy, and money, sending the best equipped young ministers, and bringing in the harvest. In January 2022, groundbreaking took place for the first ever Mount Everest Training Center at the 8,000-foot level in the heart of the Himalayan mountains. In the years to come, thousands of church planters and leaders will be equipped to plant churches in the highest altitudes in the world. While the GCN is committed to equipping the underground church, GCN is also committed to training the upper ground church. Dr. James O. Davis, founder of the Global Church Network, is often asked, do you believe it is possible to complete the Great Commission in our lifetime? His answer remains the same. This is the only lifetime I have. Why would I consider anything else? Completing the Great Commission is within reach of this generation. We must seize the moment. When the rate of evangelism exceeds the rate of population growth, we will do something that has never been done before. The Global Church Network will be positioned to reach the entire world with the gospel. Pastors will be trained and ready. Churches will be planted and opened. The world harvest will be brought in, and we will synergize together, one person at a time, until the Great Commission is completed. Good morning. It's a joy and an honor to be with you on this beautiful, cool spring day. Uh, as I was landing, I noticed the birds were flying south. And it's a joy to be with you. I'm so grateful for your pastor. You know, your pastor has kept the main thing 
the main thing. Your pastor has kept the message clear. Your pastor has built bridges instead of fences. Your pastor has chosen to help finish the Great Commission and mobilize the church toward that effort. God has given you a choice pastor at Glad Tidings Church. Amen? It's so true. We love you so much, Brother Paul. So grateful. Dr. Kevin Holt. So thankful for the growth of the church throughout the world. No matter what the news may tell you, the church is not about to go out of business. The church is not getting smaller. The church is getting bigger every single day. Jump to the next slide if you would. We are so grateful for the growth in the network. We often say those who are not networking will be not working. We must tie relational knots. No not, no net, no net, no network. It's all about people. Somebody said amen. amen. And jump to the next slide if you would. And God has built the church and built the network. But it's not even, that's only 5% of the number of churches in the world today. 700,000 is only 5%. God is building his church all over the world. Jump to the next slide if you would. We launched Finish at the graveside of Martin Luther. This is a picture that took place six months ago in Asia where the leaders there in Asia committed to help equip 150,000 young men and women in the ministry in the next season of years. Jump to the next slide if you would. This is last month. This is in Cairo. We launched our hub in Cairo. There's 18 denominations in Cairo, or rather in Egypt. All 18 denominations are there. It's not about ego and it's not about logo. It's about finishing the Great Commission. We've got to keep the main thing, the main thing. Jump the next slide if you would. And we jumped out of there, went down to West Africa, to, to Accra, Ghana for the Finnish West Africa Summit. Jump the next slide if you would. And we handpicked the leaders that would be in the room, representing those 15 nations across there. And I'm happy to report that the hubs will launch between October 15th and November 15th, 15 hubs across West Africa to help finish the Great Commission in that area of the world. Then we jumped on the plane, went straight south to Cape Town, uh, South Africa, where we had a leadership luncheon. I was there 24 days, for I went, 24 hours before I went home. And uh, they set a date for next April for the Finnish Southern Africa Summit so that we can partner together and launch the hubs in that area of the world. Jump to the next slide if you would. And so we're very focused in that area of the world. The Lord tarries by next spring. There will be a hub in 40 nations already in Africa. And Africa is a big piece of real estate. If you don't believe it, go back and study it. How big Africa is. Jump to the next slide if you would. And tomorrow morning, I get on a plane and I go to Guatemala. And I come back Tuesday night. Somebody said, you don't stay very long any place. Well, I'm grateful that planes fly further than they've ever flown before. And we're having a leadership luncheon in Guatemala City on Tuesday to form what needs to take place to finish Southern Africa, Central America uh, Summit that will take place later this year. And we're expecting a very strong response because this is what the Lord is doing in this season. And because of what the Lord has allowed us to do all these years, we'll be able to resource the pastors and leaders at the upcoming summit for an average of $20 per person. And they will take care of registration. They will take care of so many other pieces. 
But we know what our role is in the goal. And so later this morning, I want to encourage you to consider sowing into that area of the world. In a moment, I'm going to read out of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 20. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word today? Hebrews 11, verse number 20. And it's a very familiar verse in, in the book of Hebrews. And it says this, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel, and he gave orders concerning his bones. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for life. Thank you for light. Thank you for breath, health, and strength. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to live long enough to see this beautiful, incredible day. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint me to speak, and I pray that everything I'm about to say will be ordered and directed by you. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise and glory for it in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. You may be seated. This morning, I'm going to teach Faith for the Finish. And it's coming from the book that you see highlighted here. I do a lot of writing on my long flights. And, and so during the pandemic, I wrote three books. And one of them is Faith the, the master, the faith, the master key for grand life of faith. And it's all out of Hebrews chapter 11, every chapter, every character. And I'm going to teach from uh, chapter 11 today on Joseph. Faith for the finish. Faith is not a wish. Faith is not just a hope. Faith is not faith in faith. Faith is not just positive confession. Now, I think we ought to have positive confession. I think we ought to have positive attitudes. I do believe I will receive according to how I sow in every aspect of my life. But God calls us to live a life of faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, it is impossible to please God without faith. That's the only time you'll find in the Word of God where there's the God and the word impossible in the same verse. Hebrew writer says it is impossible to please God without faith. Faith is the master key that opens all kingdom doors. Every once in a while a pastor will give me his master key. And, say, and he will say that this key will open every door on this church campus. It is the master key. We cannot even please God without faith. It's interesting that Joseph gets more scriptural press than anyone else in the book of Genesis, including Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob combined. And at the end of the book, Joseph pulls his family members together. He lets them know what the promise is. He and ask them to promise and to swear that when he dies and when they leave, that they would pick up his bones and take him with them. He had faith for the finish. And I hope and pray that what God has been putting in my heart, he will deposit in every one of our hearts today. Because ladies and gentlemen, our goal in life is to please the Lord. And if you please the Lord, it doesn't matter who you displease. But if you displease the Lord, it does not matter who you please. 
And God has called us to please the Lord. And without faith, the Bible says, it is impossible to please the Lord. And if that's true, and it is, then we need to pray, God, help my faith to grow. And I hope that what God has put in my heart, he'll put in our hearts today. First of all, we need to remember the unbreakable promises of God. When God gives a promise, you can take it to bed. You can take it to the bank. You can take it to your burial. When God gives you a promise, he will not lie. God spoke to Abraham thousands of years ago and gave him a promise. He said, you're going to have a son. You're going to name him Isaac, promised child. And I'm making a commitment to you that I am going to fulfill what I'm telling you. But I'm, I must tell you, Abraham, the promise I'm making to you is going to take place more than 400 years from now. And this promise is longer than your lifespan. But I just as sure as I give it to you, it will take place. So Abraham would live and he would pass the promise on to Isaac. Isaac would live and he would pass it on to Jacob. And when Jacob was about to die, where was he? He was not in the land of promise. He was in Egypt. And Jacob died. And at that time, Joseph is second in command. And when, jo when Jacob died, Joseph stopped everything he was doing. He went back to Shechem and he buried Jacob in Shechem, which means a place of prosperity. He went back and buried him in Shechem. He came back to fulfill, don't miss it now, his God-given mandate for his generation. Joseph knew what God was up to. God had given him a vision and a dream about the seven years of plenty and the seven years of famine. Do you know what God is up to? Are you a wondering generality? Are you a definite specific? When the alarm clock went off this morning, did you know where you were going? What does it matter if the clock goes off if you don't know where you're going? Do you know what God is up to? If you want to know what God is up to, look at what he's lifted up and you'll know what God is up to. We've crossed 8 billion in population in the, in the world and it's amazing. In the, since the turn of the millennium, we've added 2 billion people on the planet and in about 10 years, we will cross 9 billion. Look at what God is doing. Look at what is happening around the world. If we keep the same doing the same thing the same way, we'll cross the 22nd century and we won't be finished with the Great Commission. So therefore, we have to make some adjustments. Christianity is 4% in the world in North America. You say, well, that's good. Well, that's great. But do you know the 96%? Do you know what God is doing in the rest of the world? You say, well, that doesn't matter to me. I live in the greater Muncie, uh, uh, Indiana area. Well, if you're a kingdom-minded person, it does matter. If you're a Great Commission person, it does matter. I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the Lord is building his church in the world. More than in any given day, more than uh, 1,400 new churches are planted every day. More than 130,000 people are coming to Christ every day this is the greatest day in kingdom growth in the history of the world 
And we don't hear the rest of the story in the West, but it's true. The fastest growing church in the world today is now in the nation of Iran. God is building his church there. God is building his church in China. And what God is doing around the world, he also wants to do right here. I hear people say to me, well, maybe God's finished with uh, North America. Find that anywhere in the word of God where God says, I think I'm finished with Ethiopia. Or I'm finished with Iran. Or I'm finished with England. Or I'm finished with the United States. As long as there are people, Jesus wants to see them saved and brought into the kingdom of God. God is not finished with any of us. Joseph understood what his role was in God's goal. We need to remember the unbreakable promises of God. Secondly, we need to realize the unshakable power of God. You know, companies start and they stop. Empires go up and they go down. Denominations may begin and they may end. But the kingdom of God has never known a recession. The kingdom of God has never known a depression. The kingdom of God continues to advance each and every year. There are concerns around us. There were concerns around Joseph. Joseph was about to die. The latest statistic on death is one out of one. If you have anything bigger than that, I'd like to know what it is. He pulls his family members together because he knows the end is near. But when he pulls them together, does he feel them full of worry and fear and dread? No, he reminds them that there is an exodus coming. He reminds them that God will keep his word. And in this day of uncertainty, we need to remind ourselves that God is still working things out for our good and for his glory. You know, there are concerns around us. Some time ago, a guy was about to have his first operation, major surgery. He was laying on the table. He was looking in the eyes of the surgeon. And the surgeon said, I can see you're fearful and afraid. He said, what's, what's bothering you? He said, well, sir, this is my very first surgery. He said, I can identify with that. This is my very first surgery also. <laughs> now, if you're going to have surgery, make sure you have surgery with someone who knows a little more about it than you do. If we're going to live by faith, spend time with people who live by faith. Make a list of the closest friends in your life, for that's where you're going to be five years from now. If you don't like that picture, get some new friends. I want faith-filled friends in my life. I want intercessors in my life. I want kingdom-minded people in my life because I know I will attract who I am, not what I want. And so therefore, I must become that kind of person in this generation. There are concerns around us, but there's changes coming everywhere. You know, when Joseph was there, there was favor. When Joseph was gone, there was labor. When favor is high, labor is low. When favor is low, labor is high. When I was walking into the, uh, to the hotel, and as I was walking in there, I was praying, Lord, help me to share with the right person. Help me to walk up there, and may that person give me favor. You say, James, why did you need favor while checking in? Well, I don't want a motel uh, room right across from the elevator. Now, I've been there, done that. 
I don't want to be next to the ice maker. I don't want to hear it at 2 a.m. in the morning. You say, James, you're being a little picky. No, I'm not. It's important we have a good night's sleep before we preach on Sunday. Somebody said amen. It's true. And I walked in there, the wonderful guy began to talk. And I said, hey, can I have a quiet room? Oh, absolutely. Can I get up top and maybe down the hall? No problem. And I had a beautiful quiet room last night. The hotel was completely sold out. Not one vacant room, but I didn't hear one single person. When favor is high, labor is low. We need God's favor upon our church. We need God's favor upon each of our families. When people drive by our house, we may, they may say, I don't know who lives there, but they are highly favored of the Lord. We need God's favor to rest upon our nation. My dear friend, we don't ever want to lose favorite nation status with God. And there are changes everywhere. And if we don't have enjoyed the last 15 years of changes, we're not going to enjoy the next 15 years that are coming. There are all kinds of changes coming. But we know that God orders our steps and our stops. He, we know that God brings amazing people across our path when we need them. We know that God puts a hedge around us and an open heaven above us. And we know that God will finish what he starts in our life. Oh, we realize the unshakable power of God. We remember the unbreakable promises of God. But quickly and last, we rest in the unmistakable peace of God. Joseph dies, the Bible says in Genesis 50, and they buried him. And the clock begins to tick. Five years, 25, 50, 100 years. And here comes Moses. And Moses now is standing in front of Pharaoh. By the way, when I was in Cairo last month, I went to the famous museum there, and I wanted to go see the royal mummies. Been wanting to do it for years. And uh, he said, well, James, that sounds kind of morbid. Well, I visit a lot of cemeteries. But visit these royal mummies. And I stood right beside Ramses II, the person that picked a fight with Moses. You don't pick a fight with God. You understand that, right? A wise man just gets in step with where God's going. An unwise person goes the opposite direction. The wise person just joins in with what God is doing. And so Moses stands in front of Pharaoh, and he says, we're leaving. Pharaoh says, let's negotiate. Uh, no, you don't negotiate with evil. You don't negotiate with the devil. He says, our children are leaving. Our parents are leaving. Our senior citizens are leaving. Uh, everybody's leaving. In fact, when we leave, there's not going to be one hoof left behind. Not one hoof, not one head, not one house, not one heart. We are all leaving. And this is the day of the exodus. Can you imagine close to two million people leaving? Can you imagine that management? They're on their way out of Egypt. And Moses turns to someone and he says, who has Joe's bones. He says, if we've got Joe, we can go. No Joe. No go. He said, where's that? In Exodus chapter 13, verse 17, he turns to somebody, he says, who has Joseph's bones? He says, we can't go until we have Joe. The Bible doesn't tell us who it was that went in to get Joseph. 
But they went in and got the box that contained the bones of Joseph, and now they're bringing him out of Egypt. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us if they kept Joe in the back of the line or in the front of the line. I have a hard time believing they kept him in the back of the line. I, I believe they brought Joe to the front of the line. Now, I want you to see Joe and Mo leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt. Now, how long did they carry him? The entire time. They carried him through the entire wilderness wanderings. They carried him through the, by Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments. They carried him through the Red Sea. They carried him across Jordan. They brought him to Gilgal and Jericho. He was there when the sun stood still. He said, how do you know? Because the Bible tells me so. The Bible tells me in Joshua chapter 24, when the war was over, they buried Joseph in Shechem next to dad, Jacob. Fifty years have now transpired. Those bones didn't rattle. Those bones laughed. There was more faith in the bones of Joseph than there were in the feet of the Israelites. What did they do every day in the wilderness? They kept burying people. And what did Joseph keep doing? He just kept heading to the land of promise. You know, when I went to Sunday school, I was taught that two million went out and only two went in. But we got to watch that third one. That third one snuck in. And his name is Joseph. But we have to ask ourselves the question. Why did Joseph make his children promise that when they leave that they had to take him with them isn't that a strange request i don't know of any dad or grandfather that says by the way if you ever decide to move from indiana you're going to have to put me on the truck when you go to florida <laughs> i don't know of any grandfather or dad that would make that kind of request but joseph said i'm so confident that God will keep his word that when you leave, you've got to take me with you. Why was he so insistent? Because he wanted to be a part of what God was doing, whether he was dead or alive. Can we say today that we want to be a part of what God is doing, whether we are dead or alive? Some time ago, I got on a plane. I flew to Auckland, New Zealand for about a two-and-a-half-hour meeting with the late Sir Edmund Hillary, who was the first one to climb Mount Everest. And it was a, a wonderful conversation that I had in his home. I was the last one to interview him before he went on to his heavenly reward. And he was 88 years young. And I asked him, I said, in this season of my life, I want to be really focused would you please consider coaching me and helping me to be focused in this season of my life? And he sat there for about a moment, and then he answered the question with these words. He said, if you only do what others have already done, then you only feel what others have already felt. But if you would dare to do something that no one else has ever done, then you'll have a satisfaction that no one else has ever had. And when you're choosing your life's project, if there's no fear involved, then you'll become bored with it and you won't even finish what you begin. But after you decided what it is going to be, start right now. Listen to what he said. If we only do what others have already felt, 
then we're uh, done. We'll only feel what others have already felt. But if we would dare to do something that no one else has ever done, then we'll have a satisfaction that no one else has ever had. Now, what is our Mount Everest? I submit to you today, it is the Great Commission. It is the mountain that's never been claimed, climbed or conquered. But this is the generation with the help of the power of the Holy Spirit and the synergy of God's people, we're going to put the cross of Jesus Christ on the roof of the world and declare him the king of the universe. And God knows every one of us and every aspect of our life and what God starts in our life, he will finish in our life for the glory of the Lord. And somebody said amen. Would you please stand with me this morning as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed in this sacred gathering. I count it a privilege to preach and teach where Dr. Hope so faithfully preaches and teaches week in, week in, week in and week out, decade and decade out. God knows everything about you and me in this building. He knows everything about us, every thought, every concern that might be in our life. And before the creation of the world, he saw that we would be here today, this beautiful, amazing day. <laughs> and the Lord is looking for people today who are willing to say with integrity, Lord, I just want to be involved in what you're doing today. I don't want to watch the parade of promise pass me by. I want to be a part of what you're doing in the world today. Lord, help me to find my role in your goal lord i want to be a part of what you're doing today in the world in a moment i'm going to count to three and if you can say with integrity lord i i just i just whatever it is whatever what it's no small matter how small or how big whatever it is lord i just want to find that that, that clear path and what you have for me in the remaining months and years of my life lord i don't want to be a wandering generality Lord, I want to have confidence and specificity in my life that I know that you are guiding and directing me. In a minute, when I count to three, if you can say with integrity, Lord, I just want to be a part of what you're doing in the world today. If that's you, when I count to three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. Just keep it up. And my hand will be the first one that go up today. One, two, three. If that's you, just lift your hand. Just keep it up. There are no big shots here today. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for my brothers and my sisters. I thank you for glad tidings. I thank you for all that you've done. I pray now, Lord God, that you would rest upon my brother and my sister. I pray, oh God, that you will give the unction that is needed in every aspect of their life. I pray, God, that you will do divine work only, only as you can. And Lord, as we sung about earlier today, Lord, let the anxiety and the worry and the dread dissipate in my brother and sister's lives. Lord, as you renew them every day for your glory and for your honor, we thank you, Lord, for this. We give you the praise and glory for it all in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Dr. Holt, would you please come? We love you, my brother. Amen. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we
just a moment. They're just going to continue to play. Our ushers are going to come. We're going to give you an opportunity this morning uh, to sow into uh, the Global Church Network. We're so challenged by um, the truth that while 4% of Christianity is here, there's a world around us still so many unreached people groups that still have never heard the name of Jesus. And uh, we, uh, the Mount Everest Training Center that you saw on the um, screen, we have uh, given toward that. It's a training center where the gospel is going to be preached where it has not been preached before. And um, we want to be a blessing to this network and to see the kingdom and the Great Commission accomplished. And so can I just encourage you, as you always do, to give generously and uh, let's just believe God to do a great thing. Father, thank you so much for James Davis and his ministry today. Thank you, Lord, for his commitment, his sacrifice. Lord, he is um, he's going around the world to connect people and resources for one purpose and that's that one day around the throne people of every nation every tribe every kindred and every tongue be gathered around that throne worshiping the lamb who has redeemed us lord there is no greater cause there is no greater sacrifice that can be made than to sacrifice for the cause of others coming to know you. So receive our gifts this morning and we pray God that you would multiply and use them powerfully to bring transformation to lives, to hearts that don't know you. Thank you for that privilege today in Jesus' name.